2: You're listening to Cork Today
3: on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hit.
3: And Good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103 Bernie taking your comments this morning You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 You can tweet us at C103 Cork And ahead on the programme, we are going to be hearing about a number of calls we got over the last few weeks but especially over the last week or so in connection with these poles or masts that were appearing in many parts of, these are areas more or less near the city are within city suburbs. But the concern here is that some of these are located within housing estates. Now after we investigated these polls, we found out they are indeed mobile booster masts and that if a company is putting up one, they don't require planning permission. Uh, one area in Cork are worried because it's within a housing estate, even though uh, those that have erected the mast say it's private land, it is within a housing estate. Others are along roadways whereby there's housing nearby. And then you might say, well, some of us living in rural areas would love one of these masks to improve our phone signal and indeed the 3G, 4G or even 5G now uh, from the phone. Uh, But in rural areas, they are there as well, but they're hidden. Maybe they're on a field or in a field somewhere or uh, in an area where there's no one living nearby. No, there can be areas as well where they go up and they can be in an isolated area next to someone's house. But they are more or less, at the moment what we're seeing, and we're hearing is in city suburbs and areas approaching the city and the big worry is those that are appearing within housing estates. We'll be speaking with Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn who has been taking a look at this as uh, there's many in the area at which he serves in the city north side will speak with Ken shortly on the programme. And in the UK in England anyhow at least they are looking at reopening out for outdoors the bars for next week and why Ireland looks on and similar could happen here now perhaps, maybe next month. Nothing confirmed yet on that, but uh, they are looking and speaking about next month at the moment when it comes to outdoor dining. And with all that in mind, we ask, should the stay and spend scheme be extended beyond the end of April due to end this month? When well, a motion from Cork County Council says it should, and will speak to Councillor Bin Dalton O'Sullivan, who raised that motion at a recent meeting of Cork County Council. Also, a number of weeks ago, the government launched their climate bill. And one area mentioned was the proposal of offshore wind farms. Now, at the time, there wasn't much more talk on that. Everybody was welcoming uh, these wind farms. But I was wondering what those who live in coastal areas and indeed those who were involved in fisheries made of this. Well, we will hear and speak to the fishery group, and that is the Irish South and West Fishing Organisations on how they feel many fishermen are objecting to these wind turbines being erected offshore. Some are supposed to be anyhow. 20k off the coast. Some could be as close as 5k. And Many feel they will destroy the fishing industry and others who live in coastal areas are wondering what their view will be like if these go ahead. So while many welcome this, there are others who have question marks over what will happen when these are erected uh, as part of the government's climate bill. And then there's people who say we need to go this way. We have to go a more renewable and green energy route than what we are doing at the moment. Your views are welcome on that. And as the public disagreements within the government, that does continue when it comes to including EU countries on the quarantine list Uh, at the moment. You will be aware that France and Germany, cases are rising there highly at the moment. A fourth wave is what they're saying in Europe. Pictures this morning on uh, TV news of the Eiffel Tower in Paris and a big sign saying it's closed until further notice. Uh, That's the level of concern in Paris. All public areas are closing in that city as well. So while that's happening there, there's talks of a new variant as well in France. Uh, More details, I'm sure, on that over the course of the coming weeks. So while Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, is in favour of including France and Germany on the quarantine list, it still seems that Simon Coveney, the foreign affairs minister, is not. We'll discuss that later as well on the programme and your views are welcome. And as is Tuesday, our regular councillor, Joe Heffernan, Joins us, And we'll be continuing our discussion on addictions in lockdown. That and more between now and one. And your viewers are welcome as always on 1850 103. You can text or WhatsApp 86 103 103. And just speaking there when I mentioned COVID, it seems now that an enhanced uh, co- contact tracing uh, will aid in the uncovering of secret super spreader events such as family parties and social gatherings. Seemingly, these are all fueling the stubborn levels of COVID. COVID infection at the moment. This new regime of tracing cases back seven days will find the missing links, which will hopefully explain why infection numbers are not falling faster. Even though at the weekend numbers were not too high, there's still a concern that that could be due to the weekend and we could see a rise again later in the week. Anyhow, uh, Dr Una Fallon, she's Director of Public Health with the HSC in the Midlands and she says the new process, which has added to the National Contact Tracing Protocol last week, it would help reveal previously hidden information and that already this has alerted the public health areas in where she serves to a positive case who had been at a family party involving around 15 people. Source identification can help, she says, with the early treatment and stop spread to other areas and more people. And if they can stop the spread, well, then that will eventually lead to the economy opening up sooner as they look at more ways to get Ireland back up and running when they see what's happening in the UK. But something positive out of all of this is that one confirmed case of COVID-19 in every thousand is traced to outdoor transmissions. New figures reveal of the over 232 cases of COVID recorded in the state up to March 24th this year, 262 were as a result of outdoor transmission. That represents about 0.1% in total. So that's good. News when we uh, see it in the UK, and they're mentioning outdoor dining. That if that is the latest with those figures, it's a, a good indication to how we can get back to some normality, anyhow, this year and especially this summer. And speaking of outdoor, the lockdown restrictions, as I mentioned earlier, in England, this is now just England, uh, they're set to be relaxed next week. And in England, shops, hairdressers, and pub beer gardens. They all can reopen. The Prime Minister uh, said yesterday, Boris Johnson, that the move is the second step of the roadmap and was fully justified by the data. Uh, While here, we are going to see some easing of the restrictions next Monday, April 12th. The obvious one is the travel. Uh, The 5k will disappear next Monday and it will all be about inter-county travel, but still, we won't have the likes of hairdressers and that opening as yet anyhow, while in the UK, uh, they will plough on and a lot of that is due to the fact that their vaccine rollout is a lot faster than it is here in Ireland and a lot of our problems here goes back to the EU. And then the Dubai 2, the cosmetic surgery uh, the 2 went to Dubai for. Well, when they came back as you know, they refused to enter mandatory quarantine after flying in from Dubai. And now, according to the Irish Sun it's believed that one of them that returned, have tested positive for COVID-19. Sources confirmed a number of Guardi were last night told to self-isolate as a precaution as they were considered to be close contacts of the pair. It's not confirmed as yet which of the duo reportedly contracted the virus, but it does come after they both lost appeals to quarantine at their homes in the capital. So that story continues on with the Dubai 2. Uh, whatever happens with that, we'll have to wait and see. But... At the weekend, on Friday afternoon here, a lot of calls into the station looking for, what? Easter eggs, yes. Uh, I spoke to Ken there earlier. He had his Easter egg. Many people had and delved into the egg on Sunday or yesterday. But on Friday afternoon, shoppers right across Cork were left fuming as there was a shortage of eggs, not only here in Cork, but across the country as well. Uh, Disappointed customers were on social media, were ringing us uh, and could not figure out what was happening because some years you will see the Easter egg still there on the shop floors for maybe one or two weeks after Easter. Uh, This year, not the case. And Lidl has said that they reported a 99% sales increase across its entire range of eggs compared to this time last year. Tesco also said that they saw a sharp rise in the number of people stocking up in the Easter egg. So, Uh, Maybe you were one of those who said we'd wait until the last week to buy the Easter eggs. Uh, Did you lose out? Did you manage to track and buy an egg? Because a lot of people didn't. They were very disappointed. Anyhow, uh, let us know on your Easter egg hunt. Did you manage to get one uh, Friday afternoon here? A lot of people uh, disappointed. They could not find their Easter egg. Anyhow, uh, let us know if you found yours or not. And uh, the talking point this morning, and we discussed this last Wednesday, uh, it was last Wednesday, yes, in the show we spoke with Anne Loughnan of the ASDI. She's an ASTI rep here in Cork and this was concerns over the change in the vaccine rollout and teaching unions then were calling for a creative solution to be found in the row over their priority list when it does come to vaccine rollouts. Last week the government did change that list of course to an age-based approach and they scrapped plans to prioritise some professions and one of those was teachers and while Gardaí had concerns as well. Well, uh, teachers and teaching unions were out uh, shouting the most about this and students now it seems could face disruption maybe before the summer if teachers choose to strike over the government's decision to bump them down on that priority list. The three teaching unions they are expected to bring emergency motions as we heard last week and they will be, uh, their conferences, the annual conferences online as they are are taking place this week and the emergency motions, they will not affect the, the next phase of education so everything will go on as normal and the schools will reopen next Monday as normal but if teachers decide to take industrial action if they vote on this and if the vote goes that way you could see some action as early as this term if not later in September but more so earlier this term. Uh, The education minister Norma Foley she's expected to be greeted with an angry reception when she does address the dedicates virtually uh, across both days of of the conferences for all uh, the teaching unions and on that as we, we did raise this and we did ask this and we foresee this could be a problem for teachers when we had this discussion last week on the show last Wednesday and we were speaking as I mentioned to Anne Loughnan of the ASTI and when I put it to her about at even last week that this would be an issue and when you have your conferences this week would or could there be talks of strike action because of what has happened on the vaccine rollout. This is what you told me last Wednesday.
4: Well, I wouldn't speculate on anything like that and I certainly don't want to add any drama to this. I can only tell you that this is a very serious issue which will be considered over the next week, next next few days and next week by our teachers at convention and our executive and we will have to await decisions in that. But again, we don't want to jump the gun on anything. Unlike the government announcing this, we want to consult... Uh, with our members and indeed we want to get into consultation with the government to see what can be done. And I also want to mention to you, you know, we have the expert advisors of the government but not all experts would agree, you know, on this issue. For example government quotes their experts and it and all the rest of it but one example I would give you here in Cork a well-known professor Jerry Killeen in UCC he's a noted expert on infectious diseases and he has expressed a very different point of view there at the weekend I'm sure many of your listeners heard him he spoke about the dangers attached to the full reopening of schools present. And I've just heard Professor kingston on this morning disagreeing with the decision that has just been taken by government. So, you know, this is not a united front in the scientific field and we have to listen to all opinions and take on board what they are saying and make our decisions after that. But what I would say to teachers and parents out there, we really want the schools to continue working in the safest possible way, and we will be taking no rash decisions. But we are highly concerned.
3: So, while there's no talks of strikes or anything like that, it could lead to changes after Easter. That possibly could happen. I you know you don't want to speculate, but th- that is a possibility. If if they don't go well, back and vaccine teachers, that is a possibility.
4: I would say you were taking it very seriously.
3: That was Anne Loughnan speaking to me last week from the ASTI. She's an ASTI rep here in Cork and that has moved further this week with the, as we would have thought would happen anyhow, uh, the ballot for industrial action at all uh, the teaching conferences taking place this week. Many teachers who spoke with us last week agreed with what Anne said, while then others uh, ha- were not in agreement. And, and they said that while the teaching unions are saying this publicly, uh, teachers contacted us last week and said, we don't agree. We think what is happening with the age is suitable. And while the unions are fighting for this, a number of teachers were in contact with us and said, no, We while we, what we you know the unions are saying one thing. I disagree. I think it should go on the age profile. But then other teachers felt the government are saying we're frontline workers one minute and then we're not the next minute. But on that, a government TD uh, says officials should try now and find a way to vaccinate those in high risk jobs in parallel with the age priority system. Uh, speaking to us yesterday, Dublin Fianna Fáil TD John Le Hart, he says uh, that if we get as many doses as expected, it should not then be an issue.
1: If it is a quarter of a million uh, a week, and I, I make this. Point personally rather than politically, I don't see why it should be impossible, you know, to separate a, a portion of that to provide uh, what others have suggested to this occupational vaccination program to run parallel.
3: So your views are welcome on the whole issue this week Will be on the professions Should they receive the vaccine Or should it just stay As it is going to be now The new rollout ongoing on age As the teaching unions now are calling for a solution To end the row over the changes on the vaccine priority list Your views are welcome 1850 103 Bernie taking your comments across the programme Or you can text or WhatsApp 86 You can email jp at c103.iec <coughs> 103 on a Tuesday morning beautiful Tuesday morning in many parts of Cork hope it is where you are as well our lines are open 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 103 I mentioned there about the uh, public dispute in the government between France Germany the Department of Foreign Affairs with Simon Coveney and the Stephen Donnelly the Health Minister on should we now include France and Germany in the quarantine list for hotels Uh, many people agree Eddie and says travellers from France should not be allowed into Ireland at all. We saw what happened in the north of Italy last year. There are seven hundred. Irish students, according to Eddie, over in France at the moment. and We should not let them back in to Ireland unless they can quarantine for 14 days. Also, Eddie mentions the wind farms, which we are talking about later in the programme, and the offshore projects that are coming our way. Eddie says they should be put in the west of Ireland uh, because that is where all the wind is coming from, but I presume you mean Eddie far out at sea and not near the coastline. And on uh, the teachers and vaccine, Kathleen in Bandon says that the teachers get the vaccine before for the elderly. She is going to organise protests all over the country. They have been locked in for over a year and afraid to go anywhere. They've all worked so hard all their lives and they should get the vaccine first. Well, over 70s and those at risk, they will receive the vaccine first and then after that it will go uh, to the ages but I, I know what you're saying Kathleen you're probably thinking that well at the over 70s if the professions such as teachers get included with the over 70s and then uh, with the vulnerable you're not in favour of that. Kathleen thanks for your call to Bernie 1850 333 103, a number of texts and as well and emails and tweets we'll get to those between now and one uh, but on the way a lot of calls we got over the last few days and this is on uh, polls and mass been erected in roadways and also within housing estates. What's it all about? We'll find out next.
2: Court today on C 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 103 Now we
3: received some calls, texts, and also emails over the last number of days from people living near the city and in city suburbs. And the court has described this as mass being erected on roadways, and also in one instance, uh, this mast being erected within a housing estate. Well, council. Kenneth Flynn is aware of this and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Ken.
5: Good morning, Peter. How are you this morning?
3: And fine, thanks. Uh, these masts I mean, they we, we've checked this into this ourselves as well and they appear to be for mobile phone use and they're called mobile phone boosters. But what's very concerning here is uh, they appear to just go up overnight or early morning uh, with no planning required and it seems they don't need planning. Why is but, that?
5: Well, correct, you're right. They, they don't need planning. There's an exemption for them. Uh, the only that they'll need planning is if they're over 12 metres high, you know um, we have denied planning on two or three separate occasions because of the height uh, there's also a problem that a lot of this goes on in private land um, so there's no requirement at all from City Hall if, um, plan- if planning is required and it's under 12 metres high You know, so that's where the real difficulty is but uh, we have noticed this popping up around the north side And as you said, in housing estates, in adjoining lands, to housing estates. So it has become a big concern for a number of residents, in particular those with fears of 5G and different technology as well. And, you know, the, the spoiling of the landscape as well.
3: Yeah so and on the, I, I, on the housing need... estates you mentioned there I mean we have a call here from Bishopstown also uh, a few calls from Ashmount and Silver Springs there appears to be one there which is within a housing estate they is... so even though the developer now has said it's within private land but it looks like it's in the housing estate and in Bishopstown it's along a roadway uh, is any rules I know there's no planning required but is there rules that they can still even if it's on private land within a housing estate that they can do this? Well the,
5: uh, the property that I understand in Ashmount is owned by Aircom, from what I'm being told. Um, I, uh, several officials from the City Council have come back and confirmed that to me, so I, I believe that to be great. I'm unsure about the situation in Bishopstown, be honest with you. But, um, yet there's no requirements. I think it's something that we do have to deal with in our new city development plan. I think it is something that is concerning a lot of residents around the city, and it needs to be looked at again. Because, you know, I've seen those photographs in particular, Nashmount, National. you know, A, it's ugly, it's spoiling views. It's very, very close proximity to houses. Uh, and I don't think it's fit for purpose in that sense, you know. Look, no, we all need technology. We're all relying heavily on our technology, and our Wi-Fi, and we appreciate that's going to change a lot um, as our technology requirements uh, have evolved. But I think we need to be sensible as well about where we're putting things and where we're allowing things to be put because they're, A, they're very ugly, B, I have a problem with my personally, I have a problem with the proximity to, to human beings for these sort of masks uh, and these sort of junctions. Um, there is authorities doing studies on them. It has been allowed by Europe and it has been allowed by the Irish government. But I do believe that Cork City Council and the local authorities should have uh, input into where these are being erected, not just to our, our landscape, but safety
1: of people as well. You
3: know, and while everybody, even those contacting us, do welcome you know improvement in phone signals yeah. and four uh, G and five G and three G and, and all of that, it's basically the placing of these masks. As You mentioned they don't look they don't look well. I mean, it's just a big pole yeah. in they're, a housing estate. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not okay. great. But the big fear here, okay, it's a pole. And if people want to see this, they can go on to uh, the C one hundred three Twitter feed. You'll see the picture there on C one hundred three Cork. Twitter, but on the pole. I mean, are these poles now? Are you going to see a number of masts going on these poles, additional to the pole itself? I
1: believe these poles themselves
5: are are designed; they're quite thick, and I think they're they're designed with all the technology inside them. So there's no going to be there's not going to be aerials hanging off the side, like traditional masts that you might see on top of police stations and things. like That Um, so that's what that's what I'm understanding um, from talking to the suppliers. But I I do think, as we said, A, I think we have to be sensible about where we're putting these uh, because of the integrity of the landscape. There also has has to be an impact on how to sell your property afterwards because I certainly wouldn't like to live in a house where you have an obstructive view or you are that close to a telephone mask. That's to be honest, that's my own opinion and that's how I feel about it. And I think there's a lot of people in the same boat as well. So that's why I'm saying that we need to change our laws now and we need to include that. The local authority has has has, in, has input into placing any of these telephone masks.
3: And the one we mentioned there earlier in in the north side in, in Silver Springs, you mentioned that it's on air property. So, can anything yeah. be done in relation to something that is put on property owned by a telecommunications company? I, and I, I, then, I is then is that all? It. Is that one there? And the one in Bishopstown and the other ones are they then in, in use for all telecommunications? For example, as, for three for.
5: Yeah. As uh, I understand, as I understand, there is um, it's all the communication companies are using them. There's a rental of line. Uh, there's a rental of the the airwaves. Or the, I'm not quite sure how how 3G and 5G work. To be honest with you, um, the the but the everything is 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 sold on to all the carriers, or all the all the all the all the companies. So they piggyback on one another's signals, uh, as I understand it. I have written to Air uh, about it, and I'm awaiting a response from it.
3: And do you think these can be moved or is it too late now? They're up and they'll stay. You know, that's the thing. I, I, what, what's very poor and very sad about this is it arrives
5: early in the morning or late at night. It's erected. Nobody knows anything about it. There's no communication with local residents. There's no communication with the city council. There's no communication with anybody. And it just, it's arrived there in planks there, you know? And it's, and
3: why is that, King?
5: No. Well, you know, A, I think if it was all going up in the middle of the day, there'd be people asking questions mm. and objecting to it. Um, the fact that there's no communication about it, uh, I don't think anybody wants it in their back garden, really, or in their, in their local facility. And I would imagine they probably had objections from people or people concerns. Um, and I don't think... T- the attitude of telecommunication companies is great when it comes to dealing with the general public. They're very good to take our money and you know but when there's customer complaints, when there's customer concerns, when there's residential concerns, there seems to be very little communication whatsoever coming from any of these telecommunication companies
3: and as you spoke to city council on this, is there anything they can do at this stage or in the future for some project like this, can they change the rules, no, change the laws?
5: This, this is the unfortunate thing talk city council has no authority or no standing when it comes to private land. The only thing that we can object to, and we have in the past, and we've stopped, is something that's uh, out of, uh, that the size is too big, that it's over the 12 metre height, that it is is too large for the area. That's the only thing that we can object on. I've spoken to our planners about it. A number of them are very frustrated about the lack of communication, again, from the the, uh, communication companies. so, you know the frustration is there on that side as well. I think what has to be done is there has to be a national change in legislation to allow um local authorities throughout the country to have autonomy on these erection of these of these services.
3: And once they're under 12 metres nothing at the moment anyhow can be done we'll wait and see what happens regarding uh, these masks which be popping up everywhere uh, slowly over the last uh, month or so anyway at this the, stage The, Before the, we, the RPG yeah.
5: and with the rollout of 5G I think we'll see a lot more around them
3: well, you, you expect to see a lot more of these? Yes Okay yes. Well, keep us informed and let us know if you're it. living in the area as well where, where these will pop you up. Before I let you go, a lot of people out and about across the weekend in the city in particular, we saw video footage and I saw this myself from Kennedy's Key, a busy key at the weekend, Bells Field, the famous view there over Shandon and the North Cathedral. That was very busy. Uh, you had concerns. I mean, the Gardaí were doing their best to clear these sites. Once they cleared them, they got busy again. Uh, but you're worried at the amount of people that are gathering in these public well. places.
5: Well, look. The, the reality is is that Bellfield, which is inside my constituency, I had people that were stuck inside in their homes. They couldn't exercise their animals. They couldn't go out onto the field themselves because they were fearful. There was people that I spotted on social media who tagged themselves in Be- Belfield. One person in particular, I was quite shocked by because he comes from Middleton, so travelled all the way up to have a drinking party uh, on Good Friday. Uh, in Belfield. I was quite shocked by that. But um, And you're not talking kids either, PJ. You're talking about people in their 20s, 30s that were uh, congregated and gathered. Uh, people that are from two or three to four or five different households gathering. Uh, and that's the reality of it. Um, it's still illegal to drink on the streets. There's a bylaw there that... Uh, allow the guardian prosecutor to remove the alcohol and take the alcohol from them. It's illegal to drink on the streets, whether it's a pandemic or not. That was brought in in the 90s. There's national guidelines and national laws as well about uh, drinking on the streets. Parks are there for recreation, for picnics, for exercise. They're there for everybody. They're not there as a private beer garden for people. And that's the big problem. And what we witnessed in Bellsfield two weeks ago with wheelie bins being taken and used for... um, Uh, bonfires Uh, then on Friday night after the guards four or five um, squad cars I believe arrived dispersed people and then we had them back a couple of minutes later when the guards had gone and uh, the excitement and the partying carried on till the middle of the night uh, in the fever hospital steps um, and there were several fights and bottles thrown. And the other thing as well is the amount of illegal dumping and bottles and cans that were left there. It happened in the Glen Park. It happened in Fitzgerald's Park. It happened, as you said, in Kennedy's Key. It happened in the Lock as well. And you know there are serious concerns about that. Look, PJ, we're all sick of Lockdown. We're all tired of being hemmed into our homes. And I look at people like my mum and dad that are staying home for the last year that haven't seen their grandchild. I'm looking at people that aren't talking to people on the phone that are in their 80s, that are worried they can't go out, that are getting shopping delivered to them, that haven't seen their kids and they haven't seen their grandchildren and they haven't seen their friends. They, you know they've lost a year and a half of their life they feel you know, and the the only contact that they have with people is through is waving through a window, and then you have people behaving recklessly. Uh, out over the weekend, it's yeah. you know, very frustrating for people to see that. Very
3: frustrating, yeah. And, yeah, and and yeah. then the fact that you could be spreading the virus as well for those well, living near the area. That's, that's it's the more danger. frustrating for them, yeah. And, okay, I have, and, to, I have as, to leave it there, reported, Ken.
5: As you reported, only one arrest this weekend.
3: Yeah, which I think is uh,
5: when you look at the social media and you look at the most people gathering, you look at the powers that the guards have. I can't understand how there's
3: only one arrest. Considering everything going on, yeah, and, and as I yeah. say, it's very unfair on those who are living near those areas and who are doing their best to stay inside for the moment. I must leave it there. But Ken, thanks for joining us. We'll wait and no see what that. happens with those full mast issues. But thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, that's Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn on the city north side. Your views are welcome. Are you living in those areas where these uh, master, as they're called, mobile phone boosters are popping up? Looks like we're going to see a lot more of those over the next number of months. Uh, not only in city areas but in county towns as well. Uh, your views are welcome on that. Nothing can be done. They can go up and if they're under 12 metres in height, uh, no planning required. 1850 333 103 You
2: can text or WhatsApp 086 2 103 103 Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103, 103
3: Local councillors have called on the government to extend the stay and spend scheme. And Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan raised the motion at the last council meeting and he joined me this morning Good morning morning to you, Ben.
6: Good morning, John Paul. Good morning, listeners.
3: And thanks for joining us. The talk of the easing of restrictions, which is now going to go ahead next Monday, the 5K will end and people will be able to travel inter-county. For us here in Cork, it's a big advantage being a big county. People can travel now right across the county from next Monday. But while restrictions are still remaining, hopefully over the month of May and into June, we will see some outdoor dining. So that will give the tourism industry a boost it needs if this scheme continues.
6: Exactly, and I think what all businesses need now is certainty, safety and support. And what I did at the the motion there last uh, Monday at the Cork County Council meeting was I looked for the stay and spend scheme to be extended. And I know there's probably listeners out there, they never heard of it, because it's a little loan scheme. It uh, was brought in on the 1st of October 2020, and it's due to end on the 30th of April. And what it is, is that you can claim a tax credit up to a maximum of 125 euro per person if you're a taxpayer if you're paying PAYE or usc if you have a minimum spend of 25 euro either uh, with eating food and drink or holiday accommodation if you keep your receipt you can claim the tax credit back from the revenue so i think it's a a brilliant scheme and what i'm looking for that is to be extended because when things begin to open up hopefully in the next couple of weeks and months we need to give these businesses every support we can give And I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever to be taking this sort of support away from a business and ending it on the 30th of April when they're opening up the following month.
3: Very true. And you mentioned there about the scheme that many may not have heard of it. Well, a lot of people might have heard of it, were were slow to use it Uh, due to the nature of this. I mean, as you call there for it to be extended, would you also look at this and say it needs to be changed as the government should maybe instead use and issue cash vouchers instead of a complicated tax rebate system, which many people just could not figure out?
6: Exactly. And, you know, I think anything we can do at all to support our tourism and hospitality business I would welcome, but I think when we're looking to support these businesses in any way we can, any, anything at all, any support we can give them, we, we must keep that on the table. And this was brought in the 1st of October. It was brought in for six months to end on the 30th of April. You know, four months of that, no one could use it at all. So I think we, we need to keep this on the table and we need to keep it going. And like the minimum spend per transaction is €25, Euro, I think that could be looked at and that could be reduced um, so as to allow people who maybe just want to go out and buy a coffee and a cake, somewhere or a bit of lunch, that they can use that and claim their put their receipt into the revenue and claim their money back.
3: Yeah, very true. And also many businesses, they just don't know what the future will hold. I mean, uh, they are going to be allowed reopen at some point in May or in June. And it will encourage the tourism market to get back and let people have business plans. But if a scheme like this was in place still, I think many in business would favour that. And and they would see that people would use the scheme and visit many areas of the county for the moment anyhow.
6: I think so. And, you know, it's costing the businesses um, nothing. It's giving a bit of benefit to the consumer, and you so know I think we cannot take away any support at all uh, from these businesses when they open up in a few weeks and months and I think Judd, it's a very to keep the scheme in place, be very positive, and I think it's a win all around.
3: And what about a system like this ran in the UK last year? You mentioned there about the 25 euro in the UK last year for one month. So you could do this later on now in the year. Uh, People got £10 sterling of food and non-alcoholic drink and it took place for one month on certain days. That could be an option as well later in the month or or, sorry, later in the year when things begin to open up more, hopefully. That's
6: it. And I think, again, as I said before, we must consider everything. I I know at the end of the day, there's a cost to all this, and we must realise that too. But I think we must keep our businesses going at all costs, especially when you look at West Cork, South Cork, and areas of East Cork, which are so heavily reliant on tourism and the hospitality industry. We need to keep these businesses going at all costs. And I think, as I say with this scheme, you know, it's very easy for the consumer. They get a bit of money back. It's costing the businesses nothing, and it's a win all round for the consumers. And as I say, it's ending on the 30th of April. I'm calling on the government very strongly to keep this going until the thirty first of December, so that way then people might people might have a bit of the summer when the restrictions are lifted. Hopefully, the businesses will get an um, October and Christmas trade, and it'll be it'll be hopefully help them in some some way we can.
3: Okay, Judy has a different view on this uh, while she says yes, she welcomes schemes like this uh, for the tourism industry. She feels this is wrong because many people have saved money over the last year and those who have saved money will avail of the scheme when they are well enough and can afford well enough to spend money at the hotels. I suppose there is that, that aspect too if it's going to cost the taxpayer later on in a number of years. There is people out there who will avail of the scheme and according to Judy, uh, they, they have enough money themselves. They should not avail of it.
6: Yeah, and look, that's a very valid point, and that's well and good for someone who has a lot of money and can go away and spend three or four nights or five nights in a hotel in Ireland. But for the reality, for a lot of people, we see hotels are targeting breaks, the over-50s, uh, for for instance. These are people who, uh, Councilor Ken O'Flynn was on before, and he, as he even said himself, they're locked up for a year. And so the maximum any individual can claim on this is €125. Euro. 125 euro that's the cap yeah. and to be honest as we all know being very realistic about it that wouldn't get you a night in a hotel in Ireland
3: true very true in many places yeah. so <laughs> you know
6: it, it, as I said you know it, it, it's the hospitality industry needs support it's one very small support it's one piece of the jigsaw and I think we shouldn't be letting this go
3: OK, very finally, before I let you go, uh, something else that you proposed a few weeks ago back and we discussed this last year. Now it's going to trial. This is the Autism-Friendly Communication Boards and the, you're hoping that these will be placed in playgrounds right across Cork. There's a trial, though, going to take place in Carrig Lyon. Just explain about this and these boards.
6: That's it. So I brought a motion there late um, in 2020 to the Carrick Lyon Municipal District where, where I'm the councillor representing and I asked that a communication board for uh, people with ASD or autism would be placed in line Playground. As we know, there's a lot of families around and there's children with ASD. And I think it's a very easy thing to put into the playgrounds and to give them a little bit of help and support. And of course, that's for the kids. But when you look at the other side of it, you might have a grandparent who had a stroke or uh, is nonverbal for, uh, with dementia or whatever. And that'll help them interact with the, the kids in the playground and, and make their memories there. So what, what I did is, um, I secured a, a trial in Carrigline playground where the communication board will be put up hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, the council are going to watch that and see how people are finding it. And if it's successful, which I hope it is, they'll roll it out to all the county playgrounds. And that's something I brought to full council as well. And I got full support, the the, the mayor, Mary Lennon Foley. The, and I was delighted to get support from the, the chairman of the Social Inclusion SBC, which is the, the man in Mallow, John Paul O'Shea. And... Um, and a lot of other counties, like counties from North Cork contacting me, Frank Roach, Frank O'Slynn and William O'Leary. They're very keen to roll it out up there and similarly counties in West and East Cork. Um, they'd love to see this in their local playgrounds as well.
3: And if it goes well in the trial, it goes well in Carrick Line, how, what timeline would you have then to roll this out across the county?
6: Well, I, I, that would kind of go back to the SPC then mm-hmm. which is under the cha- the chairmanship of John Paul O'Shea and I, I'll be on to him and hopefully we, we'll get it done very quickly. Like They are fantastic boards you know it's something I, I don't think it should take a lot of time but I think we'll wait for the trial I, I think it'll be positive hopefully it will be and we'll see from there
3: well, hopefully it is. Great idea for the moment, Ben. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll await and see what happens over the next week uh, with that scheme for the tourism industry, the stay and spin scheme for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. That is Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan. Your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 86 2103 103. D 103, D103, our lines are open. 1850 333 103. Bernie taking your comments across the show. You can text or WhatsApp 86 2103 103. 103. 03 tweet us this morning at c103 cork earlier i was mentioning about uh, this new enhanced contact tracing that will aid in the uncovering of secret super spreader events such as family parties and social gatherings which uh, the the those experts say are fueling the stubborn levels of the covid infections while the new regime of tracing cases back 7 days will find missing links uh, which hopefully then will explain why infection numbers are not falling faster than they should be And well, on that, a texter says, I am sitting here wondering where as a country are we at? Are people being questioned about their movements for the previous seven days and likely to say that they were at a party or at home? What do people think? And questioning that new contact tracing this texter is on, will it actually work? And if they are going to somebody and addressing this with a person, are they going to be truthful? You would hope some are anyhow or uh, that most are but yeah I can see the point you're making there as well at the end of the day it's only going to affect those around them if they aren't and uh, hopefully no one will get seriously sick uh, but it depends on what they were doing where they were and we can see the devastation Covid has caused so many families over the last few months here in this country thank you for your text now on something totally different to do uh, with mobile phone masts, which have been going up in various places over the last number of weeks a lot of calls on this and this is to do with uh, they're called mobile booster masts and because they are under 12 metres in height they don't require any planning permissions. so they are going up in various areas near the city but also within housing estates in the city on roadways we got calls uh, from areas in Blarney towards the city Bishopstown and also in the Silver Springs area on this uh, Michael is in Castletownbere. Bear he says Hi JP there is not a square inch of ground." in this country that do not have a registered owner be he or she dead or alive everywhere you see a mobile booster mask situations the ground it sits on is either owned by the provider or leased by the company from the owner at substantial rents some bit a freedom of information and you should be able to get the relevant information on ownership and the rental agreements on properties especially in the rural areas says Michael in Castleton Bear well We have found out this morning... Uh, that the ones we've been discussing, it's seemingly that it's uh, on air a private sh- land uh, and that's why they're going up because the person, as you mentioned, Michael there, uh, they are owned and can be owned by the telecommunications company and in some of the instances we we discussed earlier on this morning, they are uh, and they're owned by air. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 103. On that, Aoife says, yes, these masts where I live, there's one after going up in the last two weeks and they are too close. It's like the wind farm debate again. Uh, something needs to be done. It's unfair on residents who all of a sudden have this big grey bulky mast in their more or less back garden that they never asked for but more importantly were never asked about it just went up in the early hours of the morning very unfair it has changed the landscape uh, for me of my view out my back window says Aoife while Nuala says this block of a mast is ugly I feel if no planning is required surely they should inform residents but as Councillor O'Flynn said earlier if they did that then they would not go up it says Nula on text to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three, and a lot of calls and comments and emails as well, uh, similar to what both IFA and Nula have said on the quarantine. We're discussing later this hour. Uh, the debate continues uh, between the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, and the Foreign Affairs Minister, Simon Coveney, on this to include France and Germany. We saw pictures this morning uh, from France and outside the Eiffel Tower, basically now saying the Eiffel Tower is closed until further notice. And when you see pictures like this, and you then see that people from France can fly in, for the moment anyhow, into Ireland without quarantine. What's frustrating here is so many people in this country over the last year have obeyed the rules, have not gone beyond their five have not gone, you know. Out have not gone out drinking in parks like we heard there earlier on uh, they've obeyed the rules they stayed inside uh, they haven't seen their families for so long and then you have people flying into this country uh, and making their way around this country and it's so frustrating and it, it just maddens people uh, when they see this happening and then we hear that yet again France and Germany not officially on the quarantine list and the public debate between uh, both ministers goes on uh, but on this John in the city says adding more countries for quarantine. We should have either a quarantine, John's fields for everyone or for nobody. It's madness. So John making the point, everybody entering the state should go into quarantine. Doesn't matter what country they're from they should go into quarantine similar to New Zealand in a way John thank you for your text on that and Audrey says nobody from England France or Germany should be left into Ireland at all at the moment feels Audrey while John in Castletown Roach says it is hard for the government to know what is the best thing to do what they have to do is they have to listen to their advisors, uh, but the advisors and health experts all have different views, and John feels that's what happening is happening with this regard also. Uh, on wind farms, John is saying we have signed up to the Paris Agreement. The fishermen are complaining about the offshore wind turbines, but if the climate change gets worse, uh, there will be no fish there anyhow, uh, says John in Castleton Road de Bernie on eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three And earlier we heard Well, last week, we actually did speak uh, to the ASTI, the teaching union, on what could happen this week. And they did say that they would uh, put the idea of industrial action to its members, as now it seems are the INTO and the TUI, because teacher unions, they are calling for a solution to be found and to end this row over the priority list when it comes to vaccines. Of course, last week, we discussed the change in the list. Okay, it's now going to an age Based approach and they scrapped the plans to prioritise some of the professions such as teachers and the Gardaí but the teachers are out more so uh, and voicing their opinion on this and there could be industrial action uh, because teachers are considering that ballot this week at their annual conferences. We heard uh, from Anne Locknan; she spoke with us last Wednesday, I replayed that piece again earlier in the show. And a lot of people have various views on this. Uh, first of all, Mary in says, Teachers, SNAs and the guardi they should get vaccinated first. They need to be protected. Uh, while Angela says, my daughter is a teacher. I think they should be included, not because my daughter is a teacher, but think about it. If you're going into a classroom of 30 people and in a primary school where you have everybody on top of each other, no matter what you say to a five or six year old, they will continue to run up to you and tap you on the leg and they can have runny noses this time of the year. It's very hard to explain that to a five or six year old. So with that in mind, we also don't know what those children are bringing in from their own homes to the classroom and what indeed their parents are getting up to. Angela says, that is why I feel teachers should be included as their priority in the vaccination list. While another texter here says, I do think teachers should get vaccinated. Um, I you know, what's I say? Hi, while I do think teachers should get vaccinated, so should shop workers. Uh, There needs to be a a way that the public uh, will know when someone is vaccinated or not, says that texter. While another texter here says those teachers are a law unto themselves. They are out of school with full pay. Well, now, a lot of people would disregard that. They would say that they were teaching at home in January and February and were busy while teaching at home and online. But uh, on this the texter continues and says I can tell you my daughter had to email the school my grandson wasn't getting his homework there. And in the running club uh, they were out and about, says this person now with friends. He feels that teachers were out and about with friends, uh, no problem but his grandson was not getting the homework back and there was excuses going back and forth. This texter feels that teachers are selfish and looking for vaccines before shop workers and the vulnerable. Uh, this person works in a big retail unit and I will have to wait my turn like so many other people. I have hundreds of people at my till every day and the elderly need a hand then with their packing uh, for their shopping as well. So while I'm not complaining and I don't get paid to stay at home, what indeed are the teachers complaining about? Uh, this texter says that they are selfish on text to 0862 103, 103. Uh, What Eileen, a teacher who takes last week says her view remains she feels it should go on the age base that the government are saying at least that will be equal to all and she does not agree with her union on what they are doing this week Eileen says if she does get to vote. She won't be voting for industrial action. Some of the comments there regarding the teachers and the vaccination rollout for teachers and how things have changed from last week. Also, with regards to the weekend, and we touched on there earlier with Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn on gatherings, and people were surprised to see large amounts gathering in public parks over the weekend. Not surprising, some would say, given the nice weather we had. Uh, but on that, first of all, Tom, who lives near UCC, says, well, we mentioned a number of areas in the city. Tom says there were large crowds around all over the weekend where he lives in and around the College Road area. Uh, there were drinking on the street. There was large house gatherings. And the Gardaí, in fairness, did call and were involved in breaking up a number of these parties, again taking place, according to Tom, in areas near UCC over the weekend, outside of those that we saw uh, publicly in public parks and along the quays in the city. And staying with that, on a holiday homes, a Texan here who says, Well done to all those people who have holiday homes in Ross Carberry and who stayed away over Easter. Well done to you. Uh, the locals respect what you have done but the texter says shame on those who did not I hope they feel ashamed but I don't think they will So that texter to 086-2103-103. and we were mentioning there regarding the stay and spin scheme and someone has made the point that what good is it if you can't use it for alcoholic drinks and on that uh, no yeah and like in the UK alcoholic drinks and drinks ordered without food do not qualify for the credit uh, takeaway orders are also not credited without when it comes to drink. And I, in a way, I suppose that is due to the fact that it would be seen as promotion of alcohol, maybe, if they were including uh, this in uh, a scheme that is dealt with by revenue. Uh, that is probably one of the cases they will say on that. Thank you for your text. And finally, on WhatsApp, a person is saying, has anybody noticed the increase in rubbish dumping? The Intershine Walk near McCroom has bags of rubbish dumped there. And Toon Road near McCroom has a lot of bags dumped inside the ditch, to name but a few. Is it because the price hike in immunity centres? Is that the reason for this? Or, says this person on WhatsApp, is it the case of the dirty Irish? your views are welcome are you noticing that certainly on the main roadways uh, to the studio here in Mallow I've noticed that most mornings beyond the Blarney turn off and towards going back into the city a lot of rubbish along the hard shoulder it's like someone opened the window of the car and just opened the bag of rubbish and it all fell out uh, but have you noticed that in other areas of the county and city as well I've a number of emails from people who over the weekends simply just went out and cleaned up their area there was so much rubbish anyhow your views are welcome 1850-333-103 text or whatsapp always Six two one zero three one zero three. shortly we are going to discuss uh, the quarantine situation and should France and Germany be included many feel they should we are after all trying to protect our country we're all uh, doing what we can so why then are we leaving people from a country where there is high levels now of COVID talks of a fourth wave in those countries where are we leaving them in here without quarantine discussing that shortly but first before we get to that we're going to speak and chat about the climate bill. And that proposal of an offshore wind farm, and how do fishery organizations feel about that? We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for Caulfield Supervalue in Bandon. They require drivers for online deliveries. A local knowledge of the area would be an advantage. You can send your CV to Bandonsman at caulfield.com. An experienced childminder is required for two toddlers, Monday and Tuesdays, in the Fremont area. Contact O eight six eight three nine seven three nine three. And a kitchen and wardrobe cabinet maker is required for East Cork. Contact Aaron on 0830604053 or you can email your CV to info at eastcorkkitchens.ie These jobs and more, they're online now at c103.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C one zero three.
2: Call Patricia with your comment.
3: 103. A number of weeks ago, the government unveiled their climate bill, and it included plans for offshore wind farms. Many would have heard the objections over the years to wind farms on land, but not too many on offshore and the impacts this could have. Patrick Murphy of the Irish Southwest Fisheries Organisation joins me on this. Good morning to you, Patrick.
1: Good morning, JP. Good morning to the listeners.
3: And thanks for joining us. Overall, no one is against the climate bill, but there is concerns when I heard about this initially about the offshore winds. We were thinking, will this cause alert to the industries involved and the most obvious industry here is fishing and also those who live along the coast. And what is the thinking within those who work in fisheries at this proposal?
1: Um, Thanks, PJ. And and you coined exactly our concerns because you've identified us as the industry that you would first think about when you're thinking about going to sea. So obviously fishermen. It's surprising, though, that we're not included at the table when this, this industry is being discussed. That's our biggest concern. We're not there. So even though we're the first industry that would be thought of, we're the last ones to be asked at the table.
3: And why do you think that is? I mean, surely anybody would know that if you were planning something like this and looking at a project for a wind farm proposal off any coast, you would know that Ireland has a, and still would have a huge fishing industry. So why do you think they just ignored you?
1: It's, it's a hard one to answer, to be honest with you. But despite that fact, we are doing our best not to allow ourselves to be ignored. So. We are in consultation with different people within that industry to try and move things along because we all understand we need energy, we need power, we need to keep other our lights on basically, but you can't do so at the detriment of any other citizen or to, to the damaging of our ecosystem, to, to the wildlife, the birds, the animals, the fish outside there. We have more regulations than any other industry on the planet, they say, to comply with. And we find it incredible then that it's not the same for other industries that are coming into the waters. And and the testing that we have to do don't seem to be applied to the same vigour as everybody else. But there are solutions to this. We don't want to be totally and utterly negative. And we certainly don't want to be treated like the Native uh, American Indians or the Aborigines in Australia. And to explain that, these people didn't have courtrooms and paperwork to have claims on the land where they live. For hundreds, maybe, or not maybe, thousands of years. Then another uh, force came in, another population. They set up the paperwork trail and they came and said, well, if you don't have the paperwork we do, it's now ours. And that's the fear we have for the marine environment. Our fishermen have fished there for generations, for thousands of years, yet they cannot claim a claim and erect a bag and say, this is mine. And then we're being treated because we don't seem to have a legal claim on the land. So just to put that in perspective, you see local communities, there are funds, there are for those people when they're discommoded or they're affected by wind farms coming into the area. But there's no talk of that being obligatory or legally um, required for fishermen.
3: Yeah, that they can just go and develop one of these projects at sea and, and there's no comeback. It's like it's anybody's land really, but it's at sea.
1: Yes, but to us it is our land, and the reason why it's our land is because we've paid for this land in blood, sweat and tears, and we've paid the ultimate sacrifice. We have family members, I have family members who've lost their lives fishing. So I think I have a claim on that. We have paid for the right to have our claim on that, and we should be treated with better. We should be just treated better when it comes to this by our government. Now, look, we did work on the uh, multi-spatial planning documents with our government, and Damien English was the minister that I was in charge of at that time, and to be honest with you, I found them very, very good, and he did listen, and he did keep it on task, and there was a fantastic document produced, but now we have to use that document to be fair to all the marine users that are out there, and that's what that document was designed to do.
3: And the turbines I mentioned for offshore, the southwest coast is mentioned in these plans as is all the coasts of Ireland. But here locally, I know there's plans for offshore in the Cork coast and already there's plans for seven in place of the Cork, more east Cork and Waterford coastline. Uh, a lot of these plans will see the turbines 20k at least. There could be a limit of 20k off the coast. Some could say that's going to be 5k. And when you mentioned there about the fact that you, you know, you have fish in a certain area all your life and then all of a sudden than this comes in and, and can uh, take away your fishing area uh, if they can locate or wherever they wish I mean the damage to wildlife is one thing but then with Brexit and everything going on at the moment does it look like they just want the fishing industry to move away
1: Well uh, it, it would seem that way from somebody inside the industry we are involved in a task force now and one of the main cures and uh, imagine the cure is to get rid of fishermen so that seems to be the the first point that you go to is look there's too many fishermen there. We'll get them out of the way. We'll get rid of them. What the Irish people don't realize is that this is like an alien film where they come down from their spaceships and they're actually pulling our resources out of the ground or sucking up the water column. This is the same for fishermen. We're losing our right to go out and catch fish in our own waters where others are being protected to keep those rights. Our other right to use the marine area are being given to others Well, the fishermen lose out and constantly lose out. And the proof is this, PJ. 280 boats over 18 metres in 2006. 160 now and going down, not up. So in an industry where other countries are building new boats and and, and developing their industry, ours is in decline. We brought out a report on that um, uh, with Mark Coleman from Octavian um, Consultancy and nobody seemed to understand what we were looking for with 12 points. Our industry, our coastal communities are not, benefiting from any recovery of our economy. It's going down. With COVID we're the hardest hit. Our prices have hit the floor. Our markets are taken away from us. Now our fish were even given away on the Brexit. Like, no farmer has been asked to give up 20% or any industry in this country to pay for the Brexit deal, the PCA. But the fishermen have. So we're left with only €210 million euros and going down to to keep sustain our fishing fleets. That's one thousand nine hundred boats. So, like, I've been saying this in your show, and you've been very good to allow us the airtime to explain this to our local coastal communities. And anybody that knows West Cork region and area, they should remember the amount of boats that were in the likes of Skull and Ballyhaab and Baltimore and all around, course, all those small harbors. If you go down and visit them now, there's not any boats there. They're gone. They're you know port There's other coastal uh, ports around the place are just seeing our fishing industry disappear in front of their eyes. That's jobs, that's local communities, that's one of the pillars of our communities that's been taken away. And I'm afraid before we realise that it, it'll be gone and we won't be getting it back.
3: And on that I mean a lot of people aren't agreeing with you regarding fisheries first of all though, John in Castleton Road says we have as in Ireland has signed up to the Paris Agreement and the fishermen now are on about the offshore wind turbines but if climate changes get worse here there will be no fish there for them anyhow while Dennis says I know what the fishermen are complaining about and they have water experience and boats if they were willing to reskill they could have a future in servicing and maintaining the turbines surely uh, the fishing industry now uh, Dennis says is dead with Brexit and you mentioned there about other countries and they getting on with their fishing industry while it's not looking like that here can you see where those listeners are coming from the likes of Dennis and John when they feel the fishing industry is gone from hearing I suppose what you've been explaining over the last number of, of weeks and months
1: Well do you know what I'd say to those two lads? I hope to God they're not involved in sport because if they were trying to buy up a team and put them out on the pitch to beat the other team then I don't think they do too well you know this unbelievable an attitude with Ireland with the richest fishing grounds in the world that we should just give it up just walk away from it and that somebody else should come in and take it over I don't know what industries they're involved in but I wonder would they have the same attitude if somebody walked up and knocked on their door and said this and that used to go we, not because their jobs are gone but we give them to somebody else that is an unbelievable attitude to have In like fish stocks have recovered you know in the last despite what people say that, you hear the, all of the negatives, but the evidence doesn't point to that. And yes, some stocks aren't recovering as good as others, but we're increasing stock catches in certain species. So if we're overfishing in a mixed stock fishery, how is it one is going down and the other is going up? It can't be based on the effort, on the effort of fishing, if that's the case. Science doesn't work that way.
3: Yeah. And then when you take in what you've explained there and the turbines, I mean, one way of explaining this would be because people are a bit confused over the the, the turbines and they're just appearing in the sea and that you have no rights. The best way to explain this would be if someone has a field and next thing a developer comes in and just puts down the turbine, uh, not requiring planning, it just appears there in that field. How would the community in that area like that? Would it be similar to that, that they can just go along and do this offshore?
1: It's not similar. It's a carbon copy. You've just explained it very, very simply, PJ. There's no difference to what you said as to doing it outside. uh, If you don't follow suit in what you should be doing, you would have to go and talk to the farmer. You would have to look at the marine life around it. Are you going to affect the biodiversity of it? Can you imagine now if you had animals that were inside in that field, say a, a species that were endangered of being wiped out, would you put a wind farm inside and top it in? So if we're talking about the same system, if you put that down in a coddling ground, cods are struggling to survive and, and to build back up their stocks. So is that the cure? Put something in there that we don't know is going to help it or harm it and just take a chance. And the result is that you could wipe them out or make them extinct, you know, and then blame the fishermen because they're the ones that are fishing outside in the water. It, it, this is crazy stuff. Look, we work with the Marine Institute on a regular basis. are the anchor points and the last two show the trend and we work on the biomass the sustainability of the stock we look at the F ranges F sorry I know this might sound a bit complicated but like these people need to understand and they can read the stock book if they want to know more about the industry what I had to learn and send and from my colleagues and the evidence is there you hear about overfishing in stock that the fishermen follow the scientific advice such as Celtic sea herring and have underfished under MSY last 12 to 14 years, never overfished it, and yet the stock kept going down, there has to be a realisation then that, well, it's not the fishermen. They're following the advice that they're following. They're fishing less, less, and less, and less, but the stock isn't recovering. So how can you blame the fishermen then for that? There are other contributing factors that have to be taken into consideration. And until that's done, as unpopular as it may seem, that it's the fishermen we should just blame, that's the problem.
3: Okay, before I let you go, Patrick, I know something when you mentioned the the changing world of fishing, something very sad that took place about two weekends ago. Now, I know we covered it here on C103 News on that weekend and this was the sinking of a trawler and it was great sadness to the fishing community. Again, an example here you made to me when I was speaking to you last week was the fact that if a factory went on fire or... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. As you mentioned, if Google went on fire, it would be all over the news. And and you felt because it was a a trawler off the southwest coast what it was in the news, you feel that people didn't understand the significance of this?
1: Definitely not. As I said, we've only 164 boats. So imagine having 164 factories in the country producing any product and one of them was eliminated or or lost. Of course that would make the news. These boats aren't numerous like you know, they're 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 dying out like and, and we're looking to lose even more of them if we have to go through decommissioning to allow the deal, the TCA deal, Europe to go ahead. We were the sacrificial land, we were the bargaining chip on the table. So to lose a boat like that, but think of the, 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 the fear and, and what went through the minds of those people that were out on that boat for that amount of time on a ship that had lost power and to be towed in, to be towed out, you know, for for it to be worked helicoptered off, to have a winch um, operator to, be, to come down between the the, the, the masts and everything else on that boat, the, the, the bravery of, of what was done there, you know, to bring those lads off safely and in the end then to have such a tragic result. This boat was a new modern boat. You know, unfortunately she was too modern and once the power left, the engine couldn't be ran. That's That's the problem with new technology. So she was a very modern boat. She's only fifteen years old. She'd be called a baby in the fleet because most of our fleet is maybe over forty years old, you know. And for her to lose a vessel of that caliber, and for the family that put so much work and effort into it, and um, to keep that going and keep jobs going, to see that to go to the bottom of the sea, like that—that that is like a family member that's been lost. Like, and yeah. uh, it, 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 as you said, to equate that with another industry, you know. It, it, I don't know how many farmers in the country, but take out the percentage of one out of 164 to take that out of the industry. That's what it means to us, and uh, it, it's so tragic. Like you know, we're, uh, but the, the the good thing is that no lives were lost.
3: That's the that's, the that's the one positive. Yeah, them. thankfully everybody was okay, but a massive but loss it, to the fishing it industry was mean, that.
1: we discussed, PJ um, of what this means? Another loss to the industry, you know, and, and what can be done,
3: you know. Yeah, and and the effects, the knock-on effects that that could have for the moment, Patrick. I I have to leave it there, but thanks for joining us this morning and explaining a lot of uh, the issues that still go on regarding fishing even though the climate bill uh, looks positive the impact that would have for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. That is Patrick Murphy there of the Irish South and West Fisheries Organisation. Efforts to resolve a very public government rift over moves to add Germany, France, Italy and the USA to the COVID-19 mandatory hotel quarantine list have been complicated by The spike in Covid cases across the EU. We saw over the weekend and even this morning how pictures on our TV screens showing the Eiffel Tower closed until further notice. Well, Adam Higgins is the political correspondent with The Irish Sun. He joins me on this. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, JP. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for joining me, Adam. First of all, the proposals are out by Stephen Donnelly, the health minister. He is backing this. He wants this to happen. Uh, But it's Simon Coveney who has a different opinion, the foreign affairs minister, and this has led to this row. Is there any change, do you think, likely on this, or Will Simon Coveney get what he wants? I presume that Simon is trying to keep Germany and France happy, considering, even though what's happening in COVID, uh, numbers in those countries that he's trying to uh, keep both those countries sweet.
0: Mm, You're right. There there will be big decisions have to be made. A number of meetings are are booked in between both ministers, The Minister of Health Stephen Donnelly, who is very much in favour of following the public health advice to the letter. He was advised that there was 43 extra countries he should put on the list. That includes some some of the big players in Europe like uh, Germany and France, and it also includes uh, the US as well but the minister of foreign affairs is concerned uh, as is the tarnished Leo Rector as well who has flagged his concerns about this as well about what that will mean it's mainly around the irish citizens that live in these countries because there is a lot of irish people that live in these countries and how they will get home and how long this will go on for so, so there's a number of big meetings planned this week and then i think we're likely to see a decision on this uh, at cabinet next week that's that's when we're we're probably going to see the end game on that
3: Would that be too late considering there is more or less now a fourth wave across Europe it would seem and many of our listeners this morning want this to happen now they feel if we keep on talking about this it could be too late as people fly in from France and Germany into this country is there any way that things could change sooner?
0: Um, I'm not sure whether we'll see an announcement sooner than this, because they, these meetings have been difficult, as as we know from last week. There was a, really a lot of anger uh, on both sides, in both the Department of Health and the Department of Foreign Affairs, when these this list of countries was leaked in the media last week. They were furious that they weren't given the time to, uh, to really kind of knock out a, a proposal and get this across the line. And I think when I spoke to some of them, our public health officials um, yesterday and the day before, they were kind of, they're, they're already uh, angry, the doctors are angry about the, the piecemeal approach to the mandatory quarantine that we've taken. I mean, one doctor described it to me as a sieve, that we may slow down the, the introduction of new variants and new cases to Ireland by di- by this kind of piecemeal approach of adding countries and that, but it's not going to stop them completely, which is what they want to see. So, so I think next week we're really going to see some movement on this, but... Um, It'll be a difficult, difficult decision to be to be had because we know that this is a complicated issue around citizens' rights, especially in the EU. The the Attorney General was involved last week with advice sent directly to the Minister Donnelly, So. There is some some hard decisions to be made here from the Cabinet.
3: And I know earlier I mentioned that public rift that's been referred to many of the papers this morning. And we have seen this before, but not always between two ministers and two high-profile ministers, like a health minister and a minister for foreign affairs. I mean, do you think it will have an impact once this is sorted out on the government, considering you have two high-profile people within the government, but still in different parties having opposing views?
4: No, I don't. I know, I
0: know what you mean, JP, but I don't think that there will be kind of any animosity between the two ministers here. These are two really professional ministers when it comes to. Well, and I've, I've spoken to the, their advisors and I spoke to the ministers last week at press conferences, and I think there is a, de- a clear um, difference of opinion on this. But no, it's it's very professional, and I don't think it will kind of sour a relationship within the cabinet between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael or anything like that. I think this is just really a, a difference of approach that's here and it'll be interesting to see um who wins it when the Cabinet discusses this
3: now next week. Well we'll have to wait and see So, what happens on that outcome and if we'll have France and Germany included in that quarantine. Uh, very finally I know over the weekend Antonis O'Shildi of Wrecker, he did uh, tease out is what some people are saying the easing of restrictions on a video on social media. Uh, we're not too sure what exactly he meant but it could be either the lifting of restrictions further in May or maybe we're getting more vaccines. I know there's various measures coming out this morning by way of science on that, those of us who are outdoors are less likely to spread COVID-19. Are we looking maybe and following the UK that we could see more outdoor dining opening in May? It has been mentioned this morning, uh, but nothing really put in stone as yet.
0: Yeah, so this is all coming from a report yesterday um, from the Irish Times, which talks about some figures they've gotten back from the HBSC, and it's kind of based around some of the industries that the HBSC will consider as outdoor activities like building and that now the data isn't really as clear-cut as you know 0.1% of all cases because we know that 20% of cases are community transmission so there's not really we can't really nail it down to say that this is it's it's that black and white when it comes to you can't pick up the virus outside or you have such a low risk but we do know that from studies elsewhere in the in the us and in china that the, the likelihood of picking up the virus is greatly diminished when in an outdoor setting due to all sorts of things such as wind and the sun and, and things like that. So I think that's something that will it was kind of always going to go that way this summer. We mean we've seen the, the ministers said before saying that this would be a summer where we're we're outdoors and, and, and please God we get the weather for it. But I think what you're gonna see now in the next batch of restrictions will be the likes of hairdressers and that there to be discussed. I think you might I think it may be a bit premature for us to be discussing um, things like maybe beer gardens and hospitality opening up in May, but but possibly for June uh, and hopefully into the summer then.
3: And a lot of people this morning, when I mentioned that earlier, were kind of surprised that Atonis or any government minister would take to social media and tease this out. They feel because a what people have gone through over the last year was a bit unfair uh, and not saying it straight out. I mean, what would you make of that? Is that something that that, we, that, that you have seen being in Linster House? Is there mixed views on that? Uh, this teasing of information and a lot of people in the public feel that, you know, it's their lives they're teasing out at the end of the day. It's not a, a trailer for a movie. It's real life.
0: Well, I think um, mixed views would be putting it politely about what there is when it comes to ministers kind of um, kite-flying when it comes to re- lifting restrictions. That's a, that's something the opposition is, is keen to accuse them about. But especially when it comes to um, within government, and especially the uh, at Raka, there is a bit of animosity within government about this kind of race to announce the good news first between the different parties in the coalition and that's something that is causing a bit of friction at the cabinet table about who who will go on on the media force to announce, you know, hairdressers will reopen, and who will say this, and, and this kind of flagging up of this is what we could discuss, and, and the race to announce the good news is, is causing problems within government, and you'll see that the the opposition parties, in particular Labour and Sinn Fein, are constantly sticking the boot into government for this kite flying and, and getting people's hopes up, and when we th- when we know that the situation can can change so quickly with this virus and and change so quickly with the outcome for how we reopen the country that that really frustrates people and it's something that i think the government are making mistakes here when they start you know flagging up the possibilities of things a month or two in advance because we know this, this changes very quickly
3: It does and we've seen that before how dates have been given and things have changed for the moment Adam thanks for joining us this morning I know it's your day off so I appreciate that so thanks for joining us <laughs> and enjoyed the day off uh, Adam thanks Higgins there thank you. you Adam Higgins the political correspondent with the Irish Sun and we'll have to wait and see what happens it'll be next week it looks like at this stage on if the two big players in Europe France and Germany are included on that quarantine list so we'll keep an eye on that over the next week as well Eighteen fifty-three-three-three. One zero three Lines open, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Good afternoon to you. After 12.30, our regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan, joins us. We'll be discussing addiction in lockdown. A discussion we've been having over the last number of weeks. Joe will join us after 12.30. A lot of emails into the show and calls and texts. I'll get to those shortly. But uh, something we spotted this morning in the Irish Sun, and this is about how you make the perfect cup of tea. Now, how do you Let us know because seemingly pouring milk in first... On a tea bag makes the ideal cup. Research has proved this. Uh, there's different research coming out over the years about making tea, but this is the latest. And it proves that putting the milk in first is better. It looks at how you can get the best brew in hard water areas because a high mineral content in the water prevents flavor compounding and it doesn't form properly. Uh, but pouring milk in first allows the proteins to lock in the taste. The research is coming. From a university in Leeds, uh, so that just got us wondering, how do you make your tea? I asked Bernie. She puts in the tea bag first and then pours in the obviously the hot water and then pours in the milk uh, i 'm the same tea bag in first, then the water and then the milk, but maybe people are different. I know friends of mine who would have a cup of tea and leave the tea bag in, and they don 't take their tea bag out while drinking the tea and then people do they would have the milk in first and then pour water in after so what is the perfect cuppa uh, that at the moment is the latest survey that says pouring milk in and then adding on uh, your tea bag and hot water is the way to go what do you do uh, let me know let us know how you make your perfect cuppa uh, they always change with those research but that's the latest anyhow We're just interested to see how you make your tea are you one of those that use the milk first 1850 333 or you can text or whatsapp 86 2 103 103. myself and Bernie are the same anyhow when it comes to making a cuppa I'd uh, love to know how you make yours and back to a number of calls but first of all I want to go to emails into the show a number of emails in regarding uh, different issues and one when we spoke about the vaccines there earlier here's one uh, from Tim and Tim Winter was going along for his vaccine over the last number of days and Tim says that the reason he was going for his vaccine he's in one of those high risk categories and he's a 60 year old male and he was delighted to receive a text telling him that he could receive the vaccine he was going along to Parky he got his first text on Thursday at 5 past 4 then a second one on Friday morning in the early hours at 2am and then a third text at Friday at at 11.50 a.m. So, Tim sets off on his journey and he goes to Park Cueve. Now, he went a bit early because he wasn't too sure about parking in and around that area. Uh, so, when he came early, he got turned back and told to return to the park at 20 minutes. So, Tim says, I duly obliged. So, on return, the attendants, they guide him to a parking spot. So then, number one, from the parking spot, Tim says to the queuing tent is about 400 metres. That's okay. He's inside in the queuing tent. It entails about six rows of people, all socially distancing and roughly about 60 people within the tent. And then after about 45 minutes, they get as far as the door, only to be told it's four flights of stairs. But uh, the assistant said, you were struggling. Would you like to take the lift? And Tim says, yes, I will. So I got on the lift after, wait for it, a queue. So upstairs and then another queue to register. Finally, in for the jab, maybe most two minutes. uh, That is fine. The point Tim is making is the most vulnerable are the people not able to stand for an hour and a half. And they are the people who need to access a toilet. None available except on the top floor. But an exception could be made uh, for you where everyone though in the queue would know that you require the toilet urgently. There also was no sanitizer, Tim says, available in the queuing area. Therefore, nobody wanted to touch the handrails. And Tim says he parked his car at 3.30 and returned to his car At 5.25 in all that time, Tim says he spent, uh, he was standing for except maybe about 15 minutes. Now he said, I could have got the shot, the jab from his GP, and there I could wait in my car until I am due to be in and out in about 10 minutes, just like the flu jab. I would love to know what people think of this, says Tim on email to us, jp at c103.ie. But then I've heard other people who have gone along and maybe it was the time they gave you. Maybe that was a busy time. I'm not too sure. But other people have gone along. And yes, they are waiting uh, for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes when they get the call to go to Parker Cueve. Uh, but after 45 minutes, they are in. They get their jab and they're gone again. Or maybe 30 minutes. But I haven't heard of anybody that long. So is that an issue that we are facing when people get the call get the text to go along for their vaccine like Tim has there and the point he's making is for vulnerable people uh, vulnerable people who uh, have a condition and need to be in and out of a place fast if they don't feel safe but also who can't be standing for an hour and a half and a half uh, and waiting also if they need to use a toilet and you know if you have to ask to use a toilet in front of the whole place many people might not be comfortable with that Anyhow uh, let us know your thoughts that email from Tim and then we heard calls there about rubbish and a lot of more calls coming into us on that I'll get to those shortly but an email from Michael who is in Gareth, a well known litter picker in the area cycling around picking up the litter in that area he was doing so as well over the weekend he's attached two pictures here of what he has picked up And he says, I was out and about litter picking on the wild Atlantic way between Bantry and Glengareth. A call out to people to do a spring clean of the countryside over the Easter holidays. And uh, Michael says a call out to road users to stop littering. And in the picture, he has a box and an amount of litter. I'm looking at papers, coffee cups, an amount of coffee cups. And it just looks like bottles as well those plastic bottles you would drink out of maybe water or energy drinks or whatever a few cans in there as well in the photos but an amount of uh, coffee cups is what I noticed and I'm going to go back to that particular discussion tomorrow on the show to do with coffee cups because one councillor wants something done about this uh, not here in Cork up the country but it does affect everybody in Ireland on how coffee cups are now becoming the new cigarette butts that people were sick of a number of years ago coffee cups now thrown everywhere and are causing litter that's something we'll be discussing on the show tomorrow but back to your calls and comments first of all on the quarantine we spoke with uh, Adam Higgins there the political correspondent with the Irish Sun earlier and while well, we were mentioning that very public debate or spat whatever you want to call it between the health minister Stephen Donnelly and the minister for foreign affairs Simon Coveney on allowing France and Germany and other countries into the quarantine list as, as yet they are not and it doesn't look like anything will change now until next week so that debate will continue but Tom Informoy says if everybody has to stay at home and can't go beyond their 5k Then no one should be allowed Fly into this country No matter where they are coming from No one should be allowed in What good does it do To lock us away If the airports are left open And that's a very good point Tom And I think that's why people Are so frustrated When they are uh, Seeing this debate going on But also knowing that people Are flying into Ireland From other countries Why all of us we're obeying by the restrictions and we're not seeing our friends we're not not able to go out anyhow there's nothing open uh, but yet people are flying in and I'd love to know what they are flying in for fair enough it's, it's, if it's essential and we had a lot of uh, doctors and nurses flying in last year but they were going to work in the hospitals but I mean, you're hardly coming here for a holiday. There's nothing open. There's nowhere to go. Anyhow, thank you for your call, Tom. And on the fishing, which we spoke earlier regarding the changes to the fishing industry and the offshore wind farms that many in coastal areas are concerned about and also fishermen are concerned and those involved with fishing and how it will change their landscape and indeed their fishing quota as well. On this, Michael on WhatsApp says, the idea of an offshore wind farm should under no circumstances be detained no more than offshore fish. Farms. These developments should be land-based where they can be kept under control and under the regulations. They would create multiple of jobs onshore. Denmark brought their fish farming onshore. Why not we do likewise? Those offshore developments uh, should be objected to, says Michael. While a texter here says, I do feel sorry for the fishermen. They seem to be trapped between the government and the EU. They can break all the rules. Uh, they've done it to the milk quotas and it's going to have to go to court now, it seems. And the government and the EU, they are just a law to themselves. Very unfair on the fishermen, says that texter. While John in Castleton Road, John is a farmer and he says his property, when we were mentioning uh, just trying to get Uh, because there was a lot of people on texts and and calls. You know, if you're not familiar with the fishing industry, it's hard to imagine what is being spoken of. And uh, when when we were speaking to Patrick Murphy from the fishing organisation, he was mentioning if a wind turbine just appeared at sea, the devastating effects that would have and it's like basically someone grabbing land away from farmers. Well on that, John in Castleton Road says, and he is a farmer, his property is private property, but where the fishermen are working, they are working in international waters. So there's a difference there because I was making the point that to explain it is it like a farmer having land and next thing a wind turbine just goes up overnight and there you are Uh, but as John is making the point he's a farmer it's private property he's working on he owns the land whereas the fishermen are working on international waters and I mentioned there the email from Tim on the vaccine and the vaccine rollout and the discussion earlier on the teachers who uh, maybe, well they are going to put a ballot to their members on if they should hold industrial action because of the change of the vaccine rollout now going by age but on this Audrey says I am over 70 and I still have not received the vaccine I deal with older people a lot and yet I know people who are just over 25 and they have an appointment for Saturday next for their vaccine, how unfair is this says Audrey now I don't know. Those people you're on about had an underlying condition. Is there a reason they're getting the vaccine? Are they working in a a certain maybe pharma company uh, that is doing this? I know some of the big pharma companies are vaccinating their staff if they're producing the actual vaccine there. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of anybody 25, 30, 40, uh, 50s even receiving the vaccine. So I'm not too sure why or how they're receiving it unless there is a condition that they have and that is why they are receiving it. And everybody is different to that vein. But uh, yeah, a lot of over 70s have not yet received the vaccine and it will make its way down. But if it's going on your GP, it depends on how big your GP practice is and also how many are in your GP is over 85 years old, over 80, over 70 as they work through the numbers and staying on that. And the teacher issue with the vaccines, and this text here says, While I do think teachers should get the vaccine, so should shop workers as they are near the public and dealing with the public too. Anyway, uh, this person making the point that one teachers be on holiday soon and everyone should have been vaccinated or should be vaccinated by July. According to the government, at least get their first j- shot of the jab if that is the case. And then if... If things go to plan they will be ready in September to go back and they have a short year then uh, with the three months so uh, while teachers are arguing the, the, the unions are arguing that they should be highlighted and should be prioritised for the vaccine as certain professions should be and as they go to ballot their members this person making the point here that if we go on the age and if we go the way things are going at the moment everybody well not everybody but the majority should have their vaccine anyhow by July and teachers will be in holidays by then. Uh, and are they really going to get the vaccine within the next few weeks? The timeline doesn't really add up, uh, says that a person on WhatsApp. Uh, and this uh, from a text then staying with the vaccine and, and this person upset this morning. And I suppose not the nicest call to get when someone is you know, looking forward to being able to get back out and again, you know, back meeting people anyhow And this person here, no name on this, but they say, my mother was due to get her first vaccine this morning. But we got a call from her doctor that no vaccine arrived and will be another two weeks before being called again. After 14 months of shielding, we are very upset to get the call and the vaccine has been cancelled this morning. And it is upsetting and very upsetting for your mother who was... Uh, looking forward to receiving that and then being able to meet somebody or or you able to call to her knowing that she is vaccinated after a number of weeks so I can see the upset is there Uh, and you're not alone a lot of people are in that situation there is a delay with the vaccines that is something that's going to continue no matter what I said it's something we keep getting calls on it's not the doctor's fault it's just the the supply uh, to us here in Ireland and it's an EU-wide problem it's a European problem not just for us here in Ireland but I can imagine uh, how upsetting it is is for you as a family to get that call uh, from your GP this morning but we are thinking of you and best of luck to your family and indeed your mother and hopefully in two weeks time uh, it'll be a, a better phone call to you guys and on the stay and spin scheme we spoke about earlier on the show uh, one councillor here in Cork, councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan, looking for that scheme to be extended and that it would be a benefit to the tourist industry across the summer and also speaking on how maybe to make the scheme easier for people to access and use but on that Robert is in Cove he says if I buy a meal to bring home from a hotel or wherever is that covered in the scheme? Well at the moment and things may change if they extend the scheme but at the moment take Away orders are not included, uh, so that won't be on your stay and spins, uh, Robert in Cove. And back to the issue of rubbish. And this, first of all, from Anne in Formoy. And Anne says, I was in the old Marty Yard in Formoy to recycle recently. But there was a double mattress and a single mattress and a base of a bed just dumped there at the recycling bins. Why would people do that and when you talk about rubbish this morning? And also staying on that vein, we have a texter here from Mill Street who says, would people who walk their dogs on the Drishan Road in Mill Street please clean up after them, including when the dog does it on the grass as the children's shoes are being destroyed and also a buggy on wheels are getting destroyed. Why can't people have consideration for others, says that person on WhatsApp. And this, we've got a lot of calls on this lately, and this is to do with your energy bills and your electricity bill. And the texter here says, would your listeners or would any of your listeners be in the same boat as I am? anybody getting very high electricity bills because I am with Electric Ireland and I've got electric bill this morning from them and it's over €1,000 says this person on text I only live in a small place not the White House, it's ridiculous, I'd be able to rent a house for a month for that price and I know you're asking about the meter readings well we were discussing this before St Patrick's Day and Electric Ireland came back to us and its ESB networks carry out the meter readings across the country and they said uh, that while they were suspended for a time last year they are back out again meter reading and if smart meters are in place well then they're done automatically but for uh, the older meters uh, the meter man as you want to call them or meter woman they are back out reading meters again so maybe that was a problem also uh, they advised and this is for all uh, energy companies and I know I, I do this myself you can go on their website their app or their phone you can ring them and you can read the meter yourself and then in put the meter reading uh, via phone via the internet online or on their app and then you'll get a correct bill rather than an estimated bill which you're fearful that you have got and going on the price and you think that it's very high and it's obviously not an average price you would have for your bill, is it a two month? I presume it's a two month bill you've got there and over a thousand euros would be a huge electric bill for anybody uh, and not in mind if you say you're in a normal sized house. So with that in mind, maybe it would be no harm to contact them. And if you've got the bill, does it say it's estimated because that could be the problem? And also, if you were able to read your bill, hopefully the next time you get your bill, it won't be as high and they'll adjust that. Uh, but the, if you contact them, they might be able to do something for you, or credit you or sort that out for you soon as but if not it will be your next bill When well, you'll pay that much money now and it's very high your next bill should be lower if you're able to read the meter yourself if that is before the ESP networks get out to read your meter anyhow uh, hopefully that's of help and there's always a chance then if you're in contract you're caught but you could always later on at the end of your contract shop around for a better offer as well in a better rate and something I did that myself recently and I don't have time now to go through it but tomorrow on the show I'll make time and I can tell you on how how easy it is to switch but also when you do go to switch from one energy company to another and even though you've tried your best with your current company and that goes for TV or, or whatever, it's amazing they come back when you've made the switch to bring you back and offer you a better price. Anyhow, I'll tell you more about that tomorrow when we have more time. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp and hopefully that will help you on 086-2103-103. I mentioned there regarding the uh, making of a cup of tea and how putting milk in first is the way to make tea, especially if you live in a hard water area. Uh, Well, on that, a text in here that says, I heat the cup and mug first, then I pour in hot water, then the tea bag, and then the milk after. Warming the mug first is the secret, says Anne. Thank you, Anne, for your text on that. So, there is that's Anne's uh, way of making tea. Uh, myself and Bernie were just basically throwing in the tea bag and then adding the hot water. and The way to do it, similarly, is putting the milk in first and then adding the tea bag and the tea after. Uh, Mary is in Kinsale who says, I always use Barry's Red Label Loose Tea. I make It in the teapot, I leave it and stir it, and I then put in the milk into the cup and then I pour out the tea. It's lovely. Uh, Thank you, Mary in Kinsale. And Esther saying, JP, I drink around seven cups of tea a day and it has to be black. I leave the tea bag in it so it will get stronger as I drink it and I don't drink coffee. I heard black tea is good for you. In fact, my grandson surprised me last week with a large box of berries I got uh, from him and I got a kick when I opened the presents to see uh, that uh, box of Barry's. 600 tea bags in that box. That's a big one. Esther, thank you for your text there. Uh, 2086-2103-103. And a lot of people uh, in to us on how they make their perfect cup of tea. I'll get to those very shortly.
2: The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Program.
3: If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see Cork Coco dot ie Castle Magner Community Development Association and Tidy Towns, they're holding their AGM via Zoom, that's on tonight at 8 o'clock, if you want the link you can email them, Community at gmail.com or you can contact any committee member and June and Tony Connolly they are fundraising for My Canine Companion it's a charity that provides therapy, dog services and autism awareness programs, they also hope to help their 11 year old son James who is non-verbal and would greatly benefit from these services they plan to virtually walk from the Missinhead to Mallonhead and are asking you for your support by donating to their campaign. You can see all the details on their social media sites.
2: Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 3
3: 103. And a lot of people have different ways of making the perfect cup of tea. We spoke about it earlier, but a lot of people do heat the mug up first. That seems to be the key for the perfect mug of tea. Heat the cup. the mug first it has to be hot before you make the tea and then Geraldine who's tuned to us in the UK hello and good afternoon to you Geraldine she says that her husband likes his tea bag in first and then the boiling water and then he lets it sit for five minutes and after that then he adds hot milk not the cold milk Hot milk and only a little bit of sugar after that, says Geraldine in the UK. So that's a a different way of making a cup of tea. I haven't heard of that. Thanks uh, for uh, that, uh, Geraldine. And cheers for listening to us in the UK. And also, Angela, like many other people, puts in the bag first then as the hot water and then as the milk. But Angela says, I stir the cup for about 30 to 40 seconds. I just feel it's a nicer, stronger cup of tea that way. So there we are. Everybody has their own way of making the cup of tea or the perfect, perfect even cup of tea. Uh, So whatever you're into, whatever way you want to make it, let us know what for you is the perfect cup of tea. People have so many different ways of making their cup of tea this morning. And thank you for your many texts on that. Also texts on the vaccine responding to Tim Tim uh, went to Parky Queeve uh, he received his uh, first uh, jab and he was just making the point of how long it took when he was queuing up to get up there. The jab itself only took about two minutes but it was the queuing to get from the car park into the stadium then up to the various rooms to get the actual jab. On this a texter says I was called for my first vaccine on Thursday and I got one and a half hours notice. It took me one hour and 40 minutes to get through to get the jab but I was delighted to get called and yes it took a long time to get through but I was happy to get the call. While D is in goal And she says, "Hi, JP. I had a call last Thursday asking if I would accept the jab at short notice as a slot came up. And of course, I said yes. A few hours later, I had another call, giving me an appointment for ten past ten. So I went to Bantry Hospital. It was a great system, no major queuing, and I was seen on time. I waited for about fifty minutes afterwards, and then I came home. And that's the usual, the the customary fifty minutes that they have after you get the vaccine." similar for a flu jab as well. Uh, they'll just have you waiting after 15 minutes just in case there's any reactions to it. Anyhow, D says, I came home. At Bantry General Hospital is wonderful and I am very grateful to have this service on my doorstep and for receiving the first dose. Thank you for your text in Golene. and tying that in with the quarantine John says the experts cannot tell us how effective the vaccines are against various variants but the government should ban all these people coming from countries because they are putting people's lives at risk. A massive fine for airlines bringing people from these countries would soon do stop this, says John and then on the electricity situation and people one person feels the electricity bill went way too high over a thousand euros and I was asking about the meter reading which they are back and forth again you can always do your own meter reading and ring the company you're with or go on their website or their app as well uh, but people were surprised at the cost of their electricity this time round and if it wasn't red it could be an estimate and that could be why you're receiving a very high bill hopefully it will decrease in the next bill for those who are contacting us but this time of the year you, I think we get higher bills because of the fact we're, we're indoors more over the last uh, number of months and with everything going on with lockdown I think more of us were indoors anyhow and if you're working from home you are more than likely using more electricity anyhow. Uh, this text here says I have a prepay meter with pre-power and I am topping up a lot more recently I find. I used to top up by €20 Euros a week and now it's €30 Euros every three or four days. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. that is when it's pre-power, uh, are you again? Are we all at home more using electricity? It's something people are asking as well about moving from energy supplier to another, and we'll get to that on the show tomorrow. As many of the switching companies will say, you should do it, and I've done it myself recently, so I can share my own experience tomorrow on the show. Don't have time now, but we will do that on the show tomorrow. But let us know if that is a problem regarding electricity, and if you received high bills, taking into account that many of us have stayed indoors more so this January and February, than the other months maybe, but still at the same time, over a thousand euros for some of those bills is very high. You can email us across the afternoon, JP at C103.ie. C103.
2: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three.
3: And finally, on the vaccine appointments, and doesn't it doesn't show. At least there is vaccines anyhow going on because we've a lot of people who were going along and being vaccinated over the last like, a week or so it would seem. But a text here. Is says, I got a message at two o'clock for an appointment tomorrow. I replied yes, but I replied at 6.30 this morning. I'm just wondering, do they send a message to verify a yes reply? My appointment is in Parky queeve uh, Not too sure if they send you another message back for that. Maybe, I know it's a computerised message and, and they will you know, go to you maybe two or three times. It's a computer sending it, but maybe the fact that if you got the message yesterday at two o'clock and you only replied this morning, you might hear something back again from them because Maybe the computer was thinking you would get back to them in, in the, you know two or three hours, so that could be it. As the day went by, maybe that's why you got another text. And I don't know if they send you a reply. If anybody has got that, do they verify and send? When you say you're you get a text saying you've you a vaccine appointment tomorrow at this time and you reply back saying yes I can make that do you get another text back then after that anybody in the know uh, I presume once you're marked for the appointment you have it so to turn up uh, it's what I would say on that but if anybody has been in that situation let us know and on the cup of tea Anne saying I'm listening with interest to all the comments on the tea making for me a teapot is a must to have the best cuppa and also a china mug as the tea has much better flavour from it uh, says Anne and on ESPN B usage, the person on about pre power, she has to top up 20 euro every two to three days. How many are in her house? I top up 20 euro once a week, and that lasts me for over a week. And we have four adults in the house, and electricity is always in use. And in relation to your talk on electricity, I think the increase is due to new electronic meters that were installed because my bill is nearly double after they were installed, even since I changed my supplier. Thanks. Uh, for your text on that, 0862 103 103. Now, Joe Heffernan joins us as usual on a Tuesday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, John Paul. And we have a lot of uh, questions on this. And we spoke earlier about uh, you were coming on regarding addiction and yeah. addiction during lockdown. And we have been yeah. discussing this over the last uh, number of weeks. And you came across interesting articles, Joe, as well. On, I suppose, how we're always hearing about drugs getting smuggled into the country, now it appears that beer and Guinness is being smuggled in and criminals have turned to smuggling kegs of beer into Ireland and I presume these have been used in she-beans.
7: Yeah, imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, last Monday, one of the articles said Revenue officers seized beer worth 66000 while searching an Irish registered truck at Rosslayer Europort. The truck disembarked from Pembroke in Wales, and it contained nearly 17,000 litres of beer. Um, And it's reckoned that what's getting caught is a small percentage of what they expect to be getting into the country. Um, And apparently, um, there have been quite a few she-beans closed down, uh, some in Offaly, Limerick, Loud, Cavan, Galway, and Sligo. And some of them had dartboards, fully functioning toilets, as well as multiple TV uh, screens. So, apparently, this is going on. And, of course, when you think of the um, super spreaders, um, I would imagine that if one is attending She-Beans, that they're not exactly uh, complying with social distancing or, or masks or any of, of that. Um So, yeah, yeah, it's um, the old booze-like. The drug that causes the most problem in our country is alcohol. And when people say the word drug, they usually don't associate it with alcohol. But it is a drug, and um, it can become um, really, really problematic. Um, I was reading there as well about... um, a guy on the BBC, uh, a man called Chris, he said he was always been a social drinker. Now, he did say he was he wouldn't have been within the limits, like that he sometimes uh, uh, drank a little bit more than he should. But he said that before the lockdown, and I quote, I was in a good place before lockdown. I was keeping fit. I was swimming five days a week. I was doing well at work. And I was in a good mindset, to be honest. Now, he developed a really, really, uh, serious, um, alcohol addiction problem, uh, during the lockdown. And that's the thing that we could have a word about today, um, because, um, you know, we're all looking for the bit of distraction. We're all trying to get away from the boredom. We're all trying to find, um, Uh, stress busters I suppose you could say but unfortunately um, if a person is uh, you know using the old alcohol as the stress buster it can escalate
3: and actually I have a text in Joe as you mentioned that for you uh, this person is asking and is saying that since lockdown I'm drinking wine most nights now Uh, but she's asking am I Addicted? Or am I becoming addicted? Because I presume the way she's asking the question is she used to drink wine most nights before lockdown.
7: Right. So there's a change there in the in the behaviour. And uh, in a few minutes' time, um, I have, um, uh, we'll call it a screening test for alcohol. It's very simple. It's four questions and you answer straightforward yes or no. And we'll have a look at that um, uh, whenever you say it. But, like, the guy on the BBC um, uh, said people who a few weeks ago were actually functioning very well, holding down jobs, living normal day-to-day lives, having to get up every day to go to work, take the kids to school, and then suddenly all that stopped. So one of his things that he said was, every day is Friday night now. No reason to get up in the morning. Uh, He was suffering from isolation, uh, job insecurity, all sorts of stresses and strains in relation to the uncertainty about his future. And it was just that that need for a stress buster every day. So that chap now is um, uh, fair play to him. He's... um, He's been sober now for more than 70 days, determined to lay his demons to rest. He says, where I was before, it was just a horrible dark place I was in, and sobriety is just fantastic. I can't explain how good I feel, which is a great um, great, a great yeah. story.
3: Really well done by him, but you can see the way he says that every day is Friday, how easily a person could fall into that trap.
7: Absolutely. And and it's happening quite a lot apparently. And um uh yeah, yeah. Especially now yeah, that that person now that rang in, um uh, you know, uh finds that I think you said female.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. female. And I've uh, a few calls now, more calls coming in as well from people who are agreeing with her who feel uh, that at the end of the day they've worked from home uh, this is from a, a lady called Noreen who says yes I can identify with that lady I work from home every day and I feel between dealing with the kids getting dinner and then dealing with everything else in life I have a glass of wine most nights now to, to relax me and also to make me sleep because I am so wound up from the day when I go to bed I just simply can't sleep so yeah it's not just that text that we had earlier on uh, I have a number of calls similar to Noreen as well
7: Right Right. And you see, what a lot of people don't realize is that um, we're all hearing about the science now, and we're all hearing about the data and the science, but the science of alcohol is that it is a depressant. So that while there is an immediate lift, um, the come down then uh, leads to depression. It actually is a depressant. So we've all heard of antidepressants. And if a person was taking, for example, antidepressants and alcohol at the same time, well, it's like you're in the car in gear and you have the uh, the brake pressed firmly and the accelerator, um, but the car is going nowhere, just burning out the engine because one thing is pulling it forward and the other is pulling it back. And it's the same with mood. Um, antidepressants and alcohol work against each other. So... You know, there's every reason to be very, very careful about alcohol intake. It can very easily get out of hand. I know all about it because I'm off the booze now 48 years. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, life is so much better without it. If you told me that in the middle of it when I was young, I I would have said something like, um, ah, sure." everyone enjoys a few jars. Maybe so, but some people, it gets out of hand.
3: And sh- I mean, the, way you, the way you put it there, you know you were you were there, you, you have the experience of it, and then when we have people like Noreen and others looking for a voice, maybe we should move to that screening test you mentioned, Joe, the okay. cage alcohol screening test, and people have a, a pen and paper or a it on their phone to go through this. Uh, and the first question here uh, maybe could apply to some of our callers today.
7: Yeah. Have you ever felt you should cut down on your drinking? Have you ever felt you should cut down on your drinking? That gets a yes or a no. This is all very, very simple. Right, so that's number one with a yes or a no. Number two, have people annoyed you by criticizing your drinking or bringing it up in a conversation and you don't like it? Have people annoyed you? By criticizing your drinking. And that gets a yes or a no. There's no half measures in this. It is yes or no. Three. Have you ever felt bad or guilty about your drinking? Have you ever felt bad or guilty about your drinking? Again, yes or no. And the fourth one is, have you ever had a drink first thing or early in the morning? Early in the morning to steady the nerves or to get rid of a hangover? We've all heard of the hair of the dog. Um, Have you ever had a drink early in the morning to steady your nerves or to get rid of a hangover? Yes or no? So, there were four questions now. So, um, what you need to do, uh, again, extremely, simply is how many yeses have you? Now, Depending on the number of yeses, um, if uh, this is now a kind of a probability of alcohol abuse or dependence, if you have answered yes to one, there's a forty forty-six percent chance that um, you you could become dependent. Now that's less than one and two, so that's one yes. Now. If you have two yeses, according to this, um, uh, two yeses would mean a probability of 72% probability of um, alcohol abuse or dependence. 72%. um, Which would be around, what, three and four. Um, If you have three yeses, then you have an 88% chance, uh, probability, as it says, of abuse of dependence. 88% if you have three. Now, if you answered yes to all four, well, then you have a probability of abuse of dependence of 98%. Um, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That gives people an honest indication on how they're going.
7: Absolutely. I mean, that's. Um, uh the uh the cage score um screening for alcohol abuse uh using cage scores um etc um it has been you know as we'll say scientifically um uh made um and uh uh, apparently is uh, is is a great indicator. Now there are much more detailed and sophisticated um, uh, questionnaires about alcohol use. I mean, the AA, for example, would have twenty questions, which would be much more detailed, etc. But this
3: Naturally, gives a good indication, anyhow, for someone very good who, who indication wants it.
7: That maybe one needs to.
3: Have exactly. It. And as you mentioned, the AA there, I have a text in from a person who wants to know if there's any AA meetings currently going on, but not online. This person can't do Zoom. I've checked online uh, on their website. Everything seems to be Zoom, Joe. Do you know of anything outside of I Zoom? I do. Yeah. I do.
7: There are quite a few meetings going on face to face. Now, I will, I, I, I will make further inquiries and I'll contact you. And then anyone who wants to contact um, C1 or C3, um, there'd be a list there. But you, um, the answer definitely is yes.
3: Well, what we'll do is, Joe, we'll touch base in the afternoon and I can call out that information tomorrow on the show and help that listener. And we thank you for that, Joe. Uh, and, and good to chat and we'll chat again, for, okay. again with you next uh, and Tuesday. And thanks for that information and today. And just
7: to, just to say as well, for those who were affected by another person's drinking, mm. there are Al-Anon meetings going on. And uh, I know, for example, there's right here near us in Newmarket, there's one on Thursday night.
3: Very good, so and that can, and that can help people Thursday too. Uh, Joe, Eve, thank you for that.
7: We'll
3: have to go over because we're going to news. Okay. Thanks for that, Joe. Joe Heffernan there is an accredited counselor based in Boerherby. You can contact Joe on 086 834 it's Back tomorrow morning. Cool.